For all my children of the light, born in the sinning, but steady striving to do right. My people are warriors, all we know is to fight. Pray, they see God in everything I write here. Hey everybody, are y'all alright? I think I'm doing all right. I'm so happy because this is the last On One with Angela Rye podcast for the year. And guess what? We are finally at the end of 2020. The end finally draweth nigh, and I am so happy that we made it. This year was a lot. I think most of us will agree that we experienced some life-changing moments, some for the better, some maybe not so much. And on today's podcast, we'll review some of 2020's biggest moments, We saw some black excellence. We witnessed moments becoming movements. We have a black woman VP now, at least in January we will. And we also experienced some sadness with the loss of friends, family members, and heroes. There was was a common factor that shifted our way of living and existing on this planet tremendously. We went from handshakes to elbow bumps, smiles to smizing and head nods. And hopefully y'all started washing your damn hands for real. We went from conference calls to Zoom. Does everything got to be a Zoom, though? Before we enter 2021, I think it's so important that we take time to reflect on what happened in our lives before turning over a new leaf. We should honor our growth and create space for ourselves and one another. My word for my 40th birthday, which was last year, was clarity, thanks to Miss Naja Mix. And we're going to ride that thing right up to 42 if I need to. I've incorporated practicing clarity in so many parts of my life through therapy, exercise, detoxing, praying, fasting, and meditating. Being intentional about choosing ourselves can help us lead our way to our greatest selves. So without further ado, let's get into the top 20 moments of 2020. I don't know if they're the top 20, but definitely the biggest 20. Coronavirus, a.k.a. COVID-19, a.k.a. that Rona. We have to start with that Rona. I don't think any of us understood what would happen with this virus. Once the CDC confirmed the first case on January 21st, all hell started to break loose. It doesn't matter if you live in the United States or overseas. It didn't matter if you're young or old, if you're black or white, poor or rich. This virus did discriminate in the the way in which it disproportionately impacted us, but it definitely hit everybody and impacted all of us in some way. After the announcement of the country going into a lockdown, there was so much uncertainty about how the virus would affect us physically or economically. And many of us didn't understand what the toll would be emotionally. Hell, I know I stocked up on food, water, paper towels and toilet paper. Shout out to Freedom Paper Company, by the way. As my friend Katie always says, I'm an absolute germaphobe and I like to be over prepared. And to that end, if you're ever in crisis, if there's a man-made or a natural disaster, You need to come to Casa Angela Rye. Um, As a germaphobe, as soon as I found out about the virus, I bought hazmat suits. I already had gloves and masks at home because, as I said, I'm a germaphobe. I wasn't playing. I wore it to the grocery store and even on the plane. And some of you laughed, but a lot of y'all were sliding in my DMs and texts like, hey, ma, where can I cop a hazmat suit, though? And I obliged. At the time of recording this podcast, more than 311,000 people have died in the United States alone. 1.6 million deaths and counting worldwide. So many jobs lost, kids homeschooled, restaurants closed, small businesses decimated, and even the NBA was in a bubble. Shout out to the essential workers who are working so hard every single day to keep us alive, well, and safe. 
And I want to send a special shout out to two of my faves, Dr. Ayla Stanford, who answered all of my crazy COVID questions, even on a podcast, and to Dr. Nana, who is healing community literally right now and testing people so we can ensure that we're safe and we get better. I love you, ladies, so much. On a not so positive note, imagine what could have happened if y'all's president wasn't busy calling COVID the China virus and instead and saying it was a hoax instead speaking of it as it really was a problem. One that brings me to number two, one that he tested positive for coronavirus. Donald Trump tested positive for that Rona after spreading lies about it being a hoax and not taking the pandemic seriously. There weren't many moments where his administration gave comfort to the American people at all. And when you look at the vaccine timeline, he was even questioning the credibility of scientists. When he tested positive on October 2nd, the pandemic had already claimed the lives of more than 200,000, 207,000 Americans instead of using his diagnosis as a teachable moment for the American public. He doubled down on misleading rhetoric and further trivialized the ravaging pandemic, ultimately leading people to their demise. The White House became a super spreader house. Wash your hands, y'all, and please wear your masks. So number three is the coronavirus vaccine. All things related to COVID in the top three because it really has impacted our world. Shout out to Kizzy Kizmikia Corbett, who is the black woman immunologist and lead vaccine developer at NIH, who's a part of the team working to develop one of the two mRNA vaccines that is shown to be more than 90% effective. We will talk whether or not about whether or not y'all are going to take said vaccine later, but we do want to recognize the black women who continue to change the world. Number four, what would we have done without club quarantine and versus battles? We may have been stuck inside, but thanks to my brother D nice, we were entertained and dancing on IG lives night and day. Shout out to D-Nice, who also patiently taught me a little bit of thing, a little thing or two uh, on the ones and twos, how to spin on during my podcast, my masterclass podcast with him. I can't wait for my in-person, Derek. I look forward to that. He was named a coronavirus hero by the L.A. Times, transformed the role of what the DJ even looks like in 2020. It was no longer about the club. It was about community in which he created every single night during club quarantine his small 200 viewer crowd on Instagram live soon turned into 100,000 plus. And then that special day when he reached more than a million viewers and participants, he had notable appearances from folks like Michelle Obama, Oprah, Rihanna, Drake. And he and all of you, of course, made those moments completely unforgettable. We also witnessed legendary battles through verses brought to us by Timbaland and Swiss Beats. We witnessed the virtual battles of Monica versus Brandy, Jill Scott and Erica, Teddy Riley when he wasn't frozen versus Babyface, Patti LaBelle and Gladys Knight. I even saw Patti leaning a little bit. Shout out to Patti. We also did a cooking class on, on the master class. Snoop and DMX, Kirk Franklin and Fred Hammond because you can't leave gospel out. And... The legendary Best Coast, Best Coast rappers, E-40 and Too Short. Y'all knew exactly what we needed. And for that, we say thank you. Number five to Queen Afua and Tabitha Brown, who taught us the importance of holistic living and understanding what we digest. We are what we eat. 
So many of us went on a health and detox journey this year, especially after eating all that comfort food. I know that was my testimony. <laughs> Thanks to the journey, I can honestly say I've never felt more at home in my body. These queens are truly amazing. Tabitha Brown took the world by storm with her loving spirit and tasty vegan dishes. Shout out to Sierra on my team for telling me all about her. I went on a 21-day detox with Queen Afua, which transformed into a more holistic and spiritual health journey through this really difficult time um, with the Rites of Passage program that she does. I'm still catching up. I'm a little behind, but I'm so pleased to be with her on this journey and through this evolution. Number six, congratulations to the graduating classes of 2020 and the teachers and the new teachers. It's the parents, y'all. I know many of us are all the way zoomed out. Um, this year, especially students who have to learn that way. I cannot even imagine with the remote classes and virtual graduations, this generations of this generation of students had to take on the pandemic and online learning. You may not have received the celebration you all really deserve, but know that we are all so proud of you. You even had commencement speeches from folks like Beyonce, Barack and Michelle Obama, Chloe and Hallie, Meg Thee Stallion. How dope is that? An extra special thanks, like I said, to the teachers for pivoting and to the real MVPs, the parents, the leaders of homeschool. I bow down. To number seven, um, which is a tragedy. Kobe Bryant, of course, was killed earlier this year in a tragic helicopter crash with his daughter, Gianna Bryant. On the day we heard the news about Kobe's death, it really stopped the entire world. Perhaps this was already this was a sign that we should know that 2020 was going to be difficult um, with former basketball player Kobe Bryant, um, of course, of the Lakers, who died tragically on January 26, 2020. Um, I felt so sad because I felt like I grew up with him. I didn't know Kobe personally, but we are around the same age. And I even remember when he took Brandy to prom. So this was um, a devastating loss to so many of us, to community, just because of his bright spirit. And so right now, I just want to send love to Vanessa and to his surviving daughters. I can't even imagine what you all are going through. Number eight is Black Lives Matter gaining the worldwide attention it deserves. To the co-creators of BLM, Alicia Garza, Patrice Cullors, and Opal Tometi, thank you all for waging this fight and giving us this much-needed affirmation when Trayvon Martin was initially killed. We know that you all started saying Black Lives Matter and it was an argument, and this year it was finally accepted. The movement gained global attention um, after nationwide and international protests in response to the killing of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Ahmaud Arbery, BLM's approval rating soared. Um, national sentiment turned positive, and it only took watching eight minutes and 46 seconds of George Floyd fighting for his life only to succumb to at the hands of police violence. A lot figur figuratively changed, but was it enough? After all the violence on our community, have we really seen change? And I think we all know the fight has just begun. With Brianna's, Brianna's law going on the books in state legislatures all over the country, the fight waged by Until Freedom and so many other activists in the streets, and for the victims, Brianna Taylor, Manuel Ellis, Elijah McClain, and so many others who we can't name, we will keep fighting until the world understands that your black life mattered too. Number nine, athletes also took a stand in protesting police brutality. 
many finally understanding why Colin Kaepernick kneeled. Athletes joined in, be, in, in speaking truth to power and using their powerful positions of influence to force change in, the, in Major League Baseball, the NBA, WNBA, NFL, and even the National Soccer League. BLM found itself on jerseys, on shoes, on courts and fields. WNBA players boycotted games. NBA players and WNBA players wore T-shirts with the names of victims of police brutality. And tennis player, of course, Naomi Osaka wore masks depicting the names of the victims. Athletes took knees, raised fists, walked out, and even sat out games in protest. The latter in response to Jacob Blake nearly dying from police gunshot wounds in Milwaukee on August 23, 2020. And then number 10 is the response my dad has always wanted. Nationally ranked high school athlete prospects are committing to HBCUs instead of predominantly white institutions. This decision will probably result in greater opportunities for these schools and especially for the students attending these institutions. In basketball, a highlight was five-star senior McCour Maker announcing his commitment to attend Howard University over the summer. And in football, Dion Prime uh, Coach Prime Sanders will now be the head coach for Jackson State University's football program and signed to his two sons who are nationally ranked as incoming players. He's influenced um, another athlete who was formerly committed to formerly committed to attending Georgia. Number 11 is growth and nationwide support of black owned businesses. We always respond and lean in when crisis strikes. This year was no different. Under the pressure of three pandemics, COVID, racism, and economic injustice, we what? Showed up. Black folks went right to where the money resides. Right to where the money resides. According to Yelp, support for Black-owned businesses increased more than 7,000%. Let me find out we're choosing us all 2020 and beyond. We can't talk about BLM without ensuring we are increasing Black wealth and opportunity. Even Beyonce told y'all Black is King, not just with a visual album release, but also with a Black-owned business directory. Number 12, defund the police. The very slogan was so controversial, people decided not to listen to what was really meant by said slogan. It sparked conversations on controversy and whether or not elections were lost, on respectability politics. But meanwhile... We just want to remind you we're not here to make people comfortable about the saying. If only you kept that same energy to reallocate funds for, from overfunded police departments into underfunded areas, including black and brown communities, education, healthcare, and so many more. We're just trying to live. So pardon my urgency. These words don't hurt as bad as carotid holds, choke holds, tasers, and bullets. Shift these resources to people who really want to protect and serve black people. And that's on period, Pooh. Number 13, justice and policing. We didn't just protest. Black folks legislated at the local, state and federal levels. The House of Representatives voted on June 25th to pass the Justice and Policing Act, a bill led by Congressional Black Caucus Chair Rep. Karen Bass in the House and by Senators Harris and Booker in the Senate. The bill, of course, addressed a wide range of policies and issues um, to ensure police accountability um, and law enforcement accountability. All the while, we're still waiting on the Senate to move. It's Mitch McConnell's Senate. Y'all should call him up at 202-224-3121. 
Number 14 is the SARS protest in Nigeria, which, of course, had a global impact and a global recognition about what's ha happening with the special anti-robbery squad. SARS is a special anti-robbery squad that was created to eradicate violent crimes. Instead, the unit turned violent on Nigerian citizens. So a movement began called in hashtag in SARS demanding the removal of the squad and an overhaul of the corrupt institution. The government reacted to peaceful protests by deploying Nigeria's military, killing at least 12 people. While it was dismantled on October 11, 2020, it's been replaced by the Special Weapon Tactical Team. And on the 20th of October, the last known protest day, Nigerian military opened fire on innocent protesters, murdering a number of notable protesters. Again, we are black throughout the diaspora, so we've got to look out for each other. Number 15, murder hornets. As if COVID, racism, and Donald Trump wasn't enough. Murder hornets? Come on, son. These giant hornets definitely freaked me out, especially I'm scared of bees, but especially because they beelined, pun intended, right to my home state of Washington. Lord help. Number 16, an impeached Donald Trump gets a second chance after he's acquitted by Mitch McConnell's Senate. On February 5th, 2020, the Senate voted to acquit Donald Trump on two articles of impeachment. This vote, of course, was held after not really having a real trial. It was a bogus trial, not calling any witnesses. And then the Senate determined Trump was not guilty of abuse of power or obstruction of Congress, despite being impeached by the House of Representatives last year. Number 17, we lost RBG and gained Amy Coney Barrett. I don't really know if that's a game. We knew the impact the death of RBG would have on the Supreme Court. And that meant that a fight was coming for us to, to keep her seat. She held on as long as she could. She's always been a fighter. Her last wish was that her seat should be not be filled until a new president was elected. You know, kind of like what they did with Mary Garland and Barack Obama, although way, way, way further away from the 2016 election. Um, Donald Trump disregarded that and appointed Amy Coney Barrett anyway. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, of course, was the 107th Supreme Court Justice when she was nominated in, on August 10th, 1993. She was the first Jewish female and second female ever nominated to the Supreme Court. She was known as the Great Dissenter, died on September 18th, 2020. And her death led to the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett on my birthday. That's not the gift I wanted. Then, of course, we lost a hero, a champion, a mentor to me and to so many others, John Lewis. Congressman Lewis was elected to represent Georgia's 5th District in Congress on November, in November of 1986. He served until his death. Um, he, had, he died of cancer in July of 2020. This year was so tough, especially for voting rights. So I can't imagine what this was like for him, knowing how much was at stake. He wasn't just a civil rights hero or a voting rights hero, he was truly the conscience of the country, the country and of the Congress as he became known by so many of his colleagues. I love Mr. Lewis and um, we miss him dearly, but we will continue to get into good trouble. Um, we did a special tribute to him in partnership with Title and this podcast. I hope you all will check it out. There's some great memories from his colleagues in Congress, um, from Reverend Jackson and many others. Number 19, 
Donald Trump about to lose his job. Get this dance. Biden Harris got next, y'all. Trump is out. Boy, bye. We did it, Joe. You're going to be the next president of the United States. <laughs> it's over, dog. It's over. It's over. It's over. And shout out to everybody who lifted a hand, who tweeted, who posted, urging people all over the country to vote and in the middle of a pandemic. You all, this was for you. You really showed up. You put your lives and your bodies on the line. It was for you. Shout out to LeBron James for all the work he was doing to ensure poll workers, to all of the stadiums that converted into polling centers to ensure that voting would be safe for the whole of America. Shout out to Elect Justice and my good partner, Mike De La Rocha, for um, all the work that we got to do in partnership with black and brown communities to make voting easier for us. And to all the folks in Georgia, wow, you flipped it blue. We got a little more work to do, and we're going to get to that next. But I also want to recognize the Congressional Black Caucus as you get ready to go into your 50th anniversary year. And under the incoming leadership of the chair, the next chair, Joyce Beatty from Ohio, the caucus will have its largest membership in history with a record 57 members um, and will only making the House of uh, Representatives even more diverse Last but certainly not least is number 20. I saved the best for last. This is not recognizing y'all last. Black women, you save democracy again from itself. They try to take us down, but we just keep going. We're always rising. We showed up. We showed off for us. And that led to a historic Biden-Harris victory. It led to the House being preserved. It led to flipping Georgia blue. And on that note, to make it bluer, folks need to, tur- to turn out For the runoff on January 5th, early voting is happening right now in Georgia. Go vote if you have a cousin, an auntie, a friend, a former boo, um, an enemy. Tell them all to vote. Um, January 5th is so important. We can't really enjoy the victory of um, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden if they're not able to get anything done. They can't get anything done if the Senate is not flipped. So shout out for the work you did in November. But let's make sure it continues. So January 5th is a good day. This year may have been a lot, but we definitely got a release through entertainment. So let me just shout out a few things that made this year awesome. Uh, Viral sensations, where the money resides, and you about to lose your job, both which have been cited in uh, 2020, at least in my commentary. We had movies and television shows like Hair Love, Jingle Jangle, Lovecraft Country. And we had albums like Black is King, D Smoke, uh, Black Habits, Chloe, um, Chloe and Halle, Ungodly Hour, Kiera Sheard, Kiera, Jasmine Sullivan came back with two bangers. These these singles she's released, Lost One and Pick Up Your Feelings. I cannot wait for that album. To my sister friends who are killing it in TV land, Tiffany Cross with the new show, The Cross Connection, Joy Reid with The Readout, who is the first black woman in primetime on cable news in a prime in a primetime slot. I'm so proud of you, sis. Jamel Hill and Carrie Champion killing it on Vice with Stick to Sports. And Rashida Jones, who was just named the next president, first black woman president of MSNBC. Okay, this question comes from Kevin Crum on Facebook. How do you feel about the notion of African-American communities only being policed by African-American officers? I think all skin folk and kin folk, and just because somebody policing you is black, it doesn't solve or absolve us of the issues. Like at the end of the day, what has to change is the system. And the fact of the matter is 
it was created to return fugitive slaves back to their owners. A system that was designed that way is likely not ever going to serve us properly. So it don't matter who's doing it. It could be, do you guys remember ALF? Remember the TV show ALF? You might not. I don't. But somebody watching does. Mm -hmm. And the point is that uh, ALF could be policing you. And if the system of training is what it is, you're still going to end up with the same problem. And that's on what? Period, Pooh. Mm. Okay, the next question is... Where the money reside? <laughs> Please, where is that? <laughs> where does the money reside? That's not the question, but answer. No, it's a good question. Mm -hmm. The money resides in the pockets of the greedy. Mm. Mm. We need to share. We do. Because sharing is what? Caring. Boom. Thanks. This question comes from Tigerus underscore 3772. All right. I can't. <laughs> Tigress, I, let's work on a new handle for the new That's year. That's her. You know, you got to let people walk in their truth. Um, right, it's somebody's truth. Will, will you take the COVID vaccine? Ooh, uh, this is a debatable point right now. Um, I'm nervous. I want to see if y'all start climbing on ceilings first before I take the vaccine. I'm nervous. I got an amen in here. I, I just need to see what's going on because I don't know what this virus is. I just, I just, I, I have to be honest. I was raised by, let me ask my daddy if he going to take it. But he takes flu shots. I'm scared to take flu shots. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I'm really torn. What, I, what I'll say is what the responsible thing for me to say is, yes, we must all be safer. We have to protect ourselves. But I don't feel that in my spirit just yet. So I need to get there. It's going to take a minute. It's been scary. Yeah. That's my truth. I agree with you. Mm. Um. Second question. Oh, that's rare. Third question. <laughs> um, what would, oh, sorry. What should Biden tackle in the first 100 days that would benefit the black community? Ooh, so definitely de dealing with COVID. I think that that has disproportionately hurt us, as I talked about earlier. I think um, I love what Congressman Clyburn said on Breakfast Club when he said that there needed to be a commission immediately set up to address the impacts of the 1994 crime bill and all the crime, crime bills prior um, in which Joe Biden participated. I think the other thing that is a must is they're standing up um, some racial um, equity and social equity um, initiatives in the White House. So I'd really love to see them get off the ground and really be implemented across agency, um, across the federal government, and then copycat modeled on the state and local levels. Um, what else? Uh, policing. Mm -hmm. I would like to see him pivot immediately on his position that he had during the campaign on policing. It's not safe for us. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's a position of privilege to say, oh, we'll just hold folks accountable. Um, the 21st Century Council on Policing under Barack Obama did great work from a white paper standpoint and from a research standpoint. But when it comes time to implement those things, they are not um, they are moderate shifts. And incremental shifts around survival don't really work because that means somebody's still going to die. Mm -hmm. Revolutionary change. Come on, revolution. You know, also, I just think it's one thing to point out that a lot of times when things look good on paper, they don't always look the best in reality. There's some boyfriends we've had. Mm -hmm. done, yeah. Shout out to growth. Um, <laughs> Shout out to being able to recognize. Yeah. <laughs> he might look real good on paper on the ground. 
Right. When you walk um, that thing out, walk it back. <laughs> back don't work. walk. <laughs> don't walk. Don't walk. Um, but shout out to Lawsome Audrey for that question. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. This question comes from Mr. Allegard. I already know the answer to this, but the people would like to know, do you put sugar in your grits? No. I put cheddar, cheese in my grits when I'm eating dairy. Queen of food, don't worry, I'm not eating no dairy right now. Um, butter is dairy, but butter, I, I just, I don't know that I can ever, ever really shed butter. You got to put butter in grits. And then you got to have a little pepper, maybe a little Tony's. You got to have that little spicy, a little, a little savory. I like it. Yeah. I, I put, put shrimp in my grits. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. I wasn't expecting it. Uh, uh, okay. Watch out. <laughs> this question comes from that butte. Period, KJ. That's too much. I don't know. It's a dot. So sometimes I don't know if I'm supposed to say period or dot. I don't know. Okay. Well, KJ. Sometimes y'all should just send us your real names, too. <laughs> like this question from so-and-so from such-and-such, age such-and-such. You know, a lot of people live online these days, so. That's um, true. Everybody. Mm-hmm. How would you respond to someone who says, we as black people cannot progress because we have a victim mentality rather than a victor mentality. Well, that's complicated. I would say that um, we all have an obligation to live our best lives and we can't do that without releasing trauma, addressing trauma and releasing it, Um, forgiving and walking in forgiveness and love and peace. And I think that whatever we do, for ourselves will be made manifest in the world. However, there there are structural systems in place that are designed to oppress marginalized people, particularly those that helped build this country 400 plus years ago. And I think as a result of that, um, I'm not going to take the responsibility of what the oppressor has done as my victimhood, right? I think that the reality of it is, is there have been consequences of systemic oppression mm-hmm. and those things have to be uprooted just like the trauma that may exist in me. So I think that both things can be true and both things can be addressed at the same damn time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's real. I'm just, you know, come on, preach, preacher. I try. Um, Do preachers say, sometimes preachers say damn in their sermons. I don't know about that one. Oh, it's true. Okay. <laughs> um, I think it's in the Bible. It's okay. This Damn. question comes from at Brother Mark. Brother, I'm campaigning in Georgia for Ossoff and Warnock. How can I utilize my platform as a non-celebrity to get my Georgia followers out to vote? Ooh, there's so much you can do. You know, I think um, being in Georgia and being a registered Georgia Georgia voter has far more impact than um, people using their celebrity to help drive attention to what's going on. Um, You can knock on doors safely. COVID conscious canvassing, we call that. Um, You can call people and text them. You can make sure people are aware of deadlines. You can start uh, a phone tree. They used to have phone trees back in the day. You can do text trees, I guess, too. Um, you know, they have new apps like Clubhouse. Get on there and talk about why it's important and what folks can do. If you know someone who's on the fence about voting, really spending time talking to them about the importance of this election and what it could mean for them, um, especially with Kamala Harris um, becoming the vice president. What we know is now there are only two black senators 
One is Republican and forgets about us a lot of the time, especially when it comes time for judicial appointments. So you really only have Cory Booker, right? So then that leaves you with um, Raphael Warnock. And then I would also say John Ossoff is pretty doggone conscious, and I'd love to have him um, in the Senate. I got to work with him in Congress, and he's dope. And Raphael Warnock is also really dope. So please do all the things. Mm -hmm. Doesn't take you being a celebrity. Yes. What happened to the one dude? Uh, uh, Small form right quick. What's he doing? We should get him to do something. Oh, hot, Mr. Hotspot? Yeah, Mr. Hotspot is an influencer, but he's not a celebrity, but he lives in Georgia. He we is. Need... Maybe he was just taking a break. But we need him to tap in. But, yeah. We tap, need him to tap, 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 tap in. in. Ooh. Um, okay, Saweetie. Um, shout out to Saweetie. Okay, I have a few more questions. I'm pray for you. <laughs> Please, without season. Somebody come um, get her. Monroe Girl DC. This comes from, this I just wish comes we had these people for name. <laughs> um, we'll get it. Who do you believe is the best pick for the next attorney general and why? What would you like to see as that person's top five objectives? Okay, so here's my truth. I would love to see Tony West as the next attorney general. I don't think that's going to happen because that's Kamala Harris's brother-in-law. Second to him, I would say it's a tie between um, Eric Holder again Mm -hmm. and Loretta Lynch again. Um, I would also love to see a Sherilyn Eiffel Mm -hmm. make a move over there, you know, or Kristen Clark, um, you know, both incredible. Vanita Gupta in some role over there, like they're all super dope. yeah, like we have so many powerful, amazing black lawyers. You know what else would be fresh if we had like a Ben Crump, mm-hmm. you know, but there's so many amazing black lawyers. And I hope some of them go in that role or in um, I know Vanita's not black, but, you know, mm-hmm. to shout out to the culture. You can hold things down for the culture and not be the race is all good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we just have so many and I'm frustrated by hearing about like Doug Jones you know, who was confused. I remember I did an ALC panel with him and challenged him on whether or not he was going to vote for a Trump Supreme Court pick. And it's like, I don't want anybody that feels torn about where your morality should be. And maybe now that he doesn't have that pressure of being in the Senate, he would do something different. But I just, I don't want to take that risk. I don't want a lukewarm person in that role. It has to be someone who is a, you know, a prolific fighter for justice and committed to that. I know he prosecuted the killers of the the little girls in the bombing mm-hmm. uh, in the 16th Street Baptist Church. But it's just like, I want to know what else he's done since then. Um, Sally Yates is dope, especially because of how Donald Trump t- treated her. It would be great to see her uplifted in some way. But I just think that this cabinet still needs a lot more diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are my picks. What The top things I want them to address um Figuring out how to adjust the federal standard with legislators so that police can actually be held accountable, um, criminally held accountable for killing black people. Um, In addition to that, standards around sentencing um, need to shift, uh, really addressing this death penalty stuff. This black. How many black people have died 
you know, um, how many people have been on death row and, and killed under, executed under the Trump administration while people are like, oh, he's criminal justice reform. No, he's not. He's killing people mm-hmm. on death row. Mm-hmm. And when there shouldn't be a death row. So, like, some of that reimagining, not just policing, but um, the criminal justice reform system altogether would be my things. And then prosecuting some of these uh, folks in corporate America who have looted and stolen from people in ways way more so than folks did on the streets in the summer. Mm -hmm. They want to talk about looting and rioting. What about the looting and rioting of mortgages and homes Mm -hmm. and, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, predatory lenders? Like, take them on. I want somebody in there that would take all that on. I think that was probably more than five. I apologize. No, it was good, though. Mm -hmm. The people need to hear it. Thank you. Um, Okay. Let's do two more questions. That's cool. Okay. Okay. If you could instill a piece of advice into a newborn child's memory mm. that they would never, ever forget, what would it be? This comes from Paulo, Pablo, Paul, Paulo. Okay. Uh, the piece of advice I would give is um, something foundational. Maybe like... Uh, you are worthy. There's a the affirmation re- recently from Black Liturgies. Um, it was inhale, I am worthy. Exhale, I will not prove it. So that's mm. what I would do. Oh, that's what I would tell them. Isn't that good? That's, that's not mine. Real good. That's not mine. But Black shout out to Black Liturgies. Yeah, I'm mm. gonna write that on. That's what it's on my mirror. Something. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah. Um. Okay, I know you've answered this for the people before, but this comes from at R. Clay 50. Everybody got numbers in their name today? I think so. Mm. If you, uh, this is comes from at Dinaj Mix. If you could add a number to your <laughs> handle, what would it be? 206? Definitely. Mm. Now, okay. you cheated because Jaleesa didn't even get her question. <laughs> well, just because this came up in, mm-hmm. this is authentic to the conversation. Mm-hmm. Back to R. Clay 50. What made you interested in politics? When did you realize that you needed to be involved for our people? I don't think I ever had a choice about being involved. Eddie Rye is my dad and Andrea Rye is my mother. So I never had a choice about being involved. I think politics, uh, my position, posture, disposition towards politics changed with my internship with Congresswoman Maxine Waters, Queen Maxine. Shout out to the Queen for shifting I saw the interfacing of politics and activism and the fact that those two things can peacefully coexist in one body for one people to change the world. Mm. Yes. And I think a lot of people have learned that this year too, political activism. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. They haven't seen it before. You gotta do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Does we it? We love it. We love to see it. That's it. Praise the Lord. Okay, so from the beginning to the end of 2020, the On One podcast has been having transformational conversations and powerful moments. Take a look at these highlights from the podcast. Mm, a freestyle game. I say you should start light. Okay. Let's start with like some Dr. Seuss. Okay. <laughs> who I was born on the same day as, mind you. You 
you're born I now. All the greats. Yeah, you're damn right. Mm-hmm. So I am Sam. Sam, I am. Do you like green eggs and ham? <laughs> <laughs> you said Dr. Stone. <laughs> literally said dr seuss if we gonna do reverend jackson i can do reverend jackson too what got you involved with the naacp i think what got me involved is i saw all the things that they were doing um and i just really liked what they do and i actually became a vote for me ambassador with them uh to help encourage people to go out and vote um it was really great with that experience. And I uh, became part of the, my local chapter with the youth and college division. And I'm like, probably the youngest probably. for that. Um, I'm actually a, the youngest for a lot of things. Yeah, what? I had to get a different plate because that plate was chipped. Oh, get another plate, girl. Although we can't see it. <laughs> Do you put um, like paper towels underneath because of the oil? Absorb the oil. Yes, you have to. Okay. You know, when you cook bacon, you have to put that paper towel where that bacon is supposed to drain. The same with fried fish or chicken. Mm-hmm. That paper under it. I won't, I'm not going to assume this for you. I've heard from some DJ friends that the most frustrating thing is like when you're in the middle of a set and then people start requesting songs. Is that true? Is that a pet peeve of yours? That is true. That Why? Is true. Because what happens for most DJs, you are literally five songs ahead of, of the audience. Because you're trying to, if I'm playing a record, like say if I'm playing a song that has 110 BPM, right? But I want to get it down to whatever the latest Drake record is, which would typically be around 95, um, 95 BPM, right? So you, you need these songs to get you down there. Like some DJs will scratch their way down. Mm-hmm. Just, you ever been dancing and like you got this groove going, and then somebody will scratch and throw a song on and it's a, dip, a different tempo and you're like, like what are you doing? So it doesn't flow well. Mm-hmm. So I use, usually I'm five songs ahead of you because I'm trying to get to a different tempo. So um, I, I'll usually like play these records and bring, this, bring the tempo down slowly. So if someone taps me and asks me to play a song, it's like you're interrupting the flow of where I'm trying to get to. Now, if someone can suggest a song, mm-hmm. you know, like, hey, when you get a chance, like, Actually, I take that back. I don't really like anyone coming over and bothering me. It's my job. It's been interesting. I'll say one of the instructions you gave me for, um, like, the the salt baths, Mm -hmm. which I probably have overdone. So I underdid everything else and I've overdone the salt baths. I think I've done four. Oh, no, that's great. That's fantastic. (laughs) I've done four. How do you feel? Emotionally, even. I was going to say, I feel really good. There was my first one. Mm -hmm. Um... You talked to me about two relationships and like, I still don't feel super clear about one of the things I needed to sit through. But one of them was um, a woman associate Mm -hmm. where I felt like there was tension and what kind of came to me very clearly, like middle of the bath was my assignment is um, to love and protect black women, Mm -hmm. whether they love and protect themselves or not. Yes. Or they extend that back. Like, that was a very clear assignment. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, got it. I'm mm-hmm. good. I can incorporate twerking in it. Now, Ooh, I, so I can't twerk. You going to teach me how to twerk? 
yeah. I can't do yeah, it. Yeah, you're not it's right. Like, like, I can't do it. My whole back and my neck. But I can't do it right here. That don't work. You know what? I got something called twerking made easy what? that I can teach you. Hey! Yeah. Okay. So listen, Angela, like, I'm going to be 40 in December. I'm already so 40. When I, you look good. I'm old. You look good. last night that my 85 year old grandma who lives in Kansas has been driving around trying to find toilet paper and disinfecting wipes because people have been holding it right I was gripped with fear right and immediately getting online because I could have I could have been sending her supplies for weeks Mm. it didn't occur to me to like reach out you know I didn't think she you know I didn't realize she wasn't going to reach out until she was absolutely desperate. So reach out to the elderly because they should not be out looking for supplies, right? They're, we should be making sure that things are delivered to them. Even though stores are opening up these hours, it's still unsafe for them to be outside. Reach out to your friends who are disabled, who have chronic illness. Make sure they have what they need, you know, um, shelters. I've definitely heard from shelters. So shelters are being really completely forgotten in this crisis. Mm-hmm. And a lot of you know, I, a friend of mine who um, whose partner works at a shelter for young women, a lot of these young women are incredibly immune-compromised because of the situations they've been in. Yeah. And the volunteers can't work with them safely, right? And so they don't have any masks. They don't have any cleaning supplies. They can't find bleach. So look at look through your stores. You know, if you have if you're an artistic person, chances are you have some gloves somewhere. Chances are you might have a mask or two, right? I just have it from doing my own nails. I had mm. two boxes of masks, and so I was able to send those out to shelters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, reach out and ask people what they need. Mm-hmm. Be proactive about it. The need is great, but a lot of people aren't asking because they're used to being told that they have to figure it out themselves. Yeah. And so look around and see what you got where you feel, you know, comfortable and safe and share. Yeah. If we get to that point, there will be enough for everybody. Mm-hmm. But we, we got to look out for the people who not only aren't asking, but also don't have the access to the infrastructure, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of our elderly don't have the ability to order things online and have it delivered. So, you know, find out what their address is, have stuff delivered to them, drop something at their door, you know, mm-hmm. um, don't, don't put people in more precarious situations to have to go find things when they really should be at home. 
Ooh, I'm like, literally, I teared up hearing about your grandma. And I've, now I'm just like, I'm sitting here partially like just in guilt about, I haven't reached out to like even neighbors. And I know I have elderly neighbors. I've been so worried about my parents and I'm like now super emotional about it because I know like this woman across the street, like her husband died. I, I haven't even checked on her, you know, like, and part of it is like, oh, you don't want to go anywhere. You don't want to like compromise anybody. And you also like, again, I'm a germaphobe, so I haven't wanted to like talk to anybody or knock on a door or, you know, whatever, but like I should. And, um, Again, just like our first conversation ever, like, thank you for that accountability because it's just like, dang, if we all just checked on one person, at least we could really mm-hmm. probably make a big difference. Um, so thank you. That was a hard truth. I wasn't ready. I was not, I was not prepared for that. Um, what's the know, greatest, so- what's the, the greatest stretch you've had so far in acting? Like, what's the character where you're like, oh, this one was really like outside of my comfort zone um probably seven pounds was was a pretty big big stretch for me um uh the hardest work was ali Mm -hmm. um but it wasn't it it wasn't a psychological stretch for me and me and ali believed similar things right so it wasn't a big stretch that way, but it was definitely the hardest transformation as, as an actor, uh, more physical on body, dialect, learning how to box. Um, uh, but, but in terms of understanding what someone is thinking, right? And that, that's really what acting is, is how much can you step into someone else's shoes? And the beauty about that as acting is that is the human skill for successful relationships. Yeah. How much can you put aside what you think and what you feel and what your dreams are and what your needs are? How much can you put them aside and deeply and completely understand and have compassion for someone's opposing point of view? And (laughs) And all of these things, how do you like, be preventative. Like, is there any way to really isolate yourself enough to be safe for the hypochondriacs among us? Yes, you gotta stay home. <laughs> you're like, be in timeout. Uh, I said, you're like, be in timeout. Yes, you just stay home. You FaceTime, unfortunately for us, we FaceTime, we Skype, we all those things. But my concern is for the older folks yeah. that don't have access to that. Those are the ones I worry about the most, you know, that they're not getting depressed and being so isolated yeah. and things like that. And just that we reach out to our elderly and call them and see if they need somebody to pick some food up for them and, and things like that. Drop it, just put it on the porch and leave. You mentioned the name of George Floyd, and of course, um, led the charge uh, with Senator Booker and the Congressional Black Caucus on the Mm -hmm. House side for the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Is that a bill, um, Senator Harris, that you would urge Vice President Biden to sign into law in his first 30 days, for example, as president? So the Justice and Policing Act, and yes, Cory Booker, my brother in the Senate, um, we led it on the Senate side, and but, but then got a lot of senators to sign on to it in the House side. 
our fellow members of the Congressional Black Caucus and um, brought together a bipartisan group to yeah. support it. And it does a number of things which Joe Biden has, without any um, hesitation, said that, that he will do in, in our administration, um, including banning chokeholds and carotid holes. Um, let's be clear, George Floyd would be alive today if those carotid and chokeholds had been banned. You all have to speak time between when LA and Potter's House, Denver. How, is, how has that been for you? Do you feel like have your routine down or there's still some things that you feel like I want to adjust this because it doesn't feel just perfect yet or just right yet. You know what I am learning about life? The moment that you start to feel like you have a rhythm, the rhythm <laughs> comes and just like, you know what, we're going to change the song altogether. Coronavirus. <laughs> exclusively online. It's like we just figured out a technology that would allow us to go back and forth and kind of like getting our congregations to adjust to this technology. Everyone's on board. They've adjusted to it. And now it's like, all right, now everyone's going to stay at home. And the only option you have is to watch online. Um, I think that I am kind constantly learning who I am from season to season. I think one of the greatest mistakes that we can make is longing for who we used to be in a season that is obviously changing us, but it requires like surrendering to like, who am I now? Like you had to go from being like, you know, annual right impact strategies to now you're this CNN commentator and you're all over. And then you have to ask yourself, I'm sure you've had to ask yourself at some point, okay, this is who I was five years ago. Who am I now? And so I am asking myself that, you know, every day, really, I think it used to be like I could wait a few months, but because the world is changing so quickly and our response to the world has to change as quickly as the world changes to really not get lost in the pace of what's happening around me and to ask myself, like, who am I? What do I need? What does this moment require of me? And do I have what it takes to stand up to it? Or do I need help and tools and resources? So I would say that we had adjusted and now we are adjusting to you know, preaching in an empty room and allowing the online community to really build community within their own homes. I never stood in isolation on a black fight. Mm. Definitely pro-black, but I'm not anti anybody else. And I think that if we win, we all win. Right. And I think the sooner we get there, the better it is for everybody. Mm. That, that, That was such a profound point, though, about getting back to the whole every corporation. Every yeah. corporation was putting Black Lives Matter. And, and even the NFL, you know, the Goodell says, kind of like Biden, Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, was, black people have made this league. That's a word of timeout. You know, how much business do you guys do with black vendors? Right. Yes. You know, how many, uh, uh, again, how many people are on your executive board? I mean, if you go down to CNN, walk, it's, walk through the building. Walk through the building. The corridors of power. You know, all this mess. Uh, same thing in every corporation. You know, so that's okay, but I want deeds, not words. So it's good. how do we right. how do we get to demand that? I guess that's the next level. It, you know. And it all, it also trick it also trickles down to the players and to us, yeah. to black people in general. Like yeah. you know, are we are are people of wealth hiring black law firms or black right. lawyers? What happened to this? Look at this call. You see that? It looks crazy. Okay, so you do all the edges. Yeah. And then you can go, you can take a little echo gel. Just here. 
I got the um. What do I got? Ultra defining diva curl gel. Ain't got That's no fine. Problem. You can get that too. Anything that's gonna help lay it down. And yeah. you can put it on the edges as well too. That's okay. right. Get your teeth on your boy. Fuck the court. That ain't gonna. Mine ain't gonna sound like that. You can do it. You come on, sis. You got it. Do it. Ooh. Oh, 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 like unraveling from that. Like that is truly in our DNA. We are postured to martyrdom, as you talked about. We are postured to be taken from and just say, that's just how white folks are. How do we shift out of that in this year? Yeah, no, that's a great, great point. Yeah, I'm gonna try to be very brief because that's such a brilliant question. Look, they've been stealing us from the very beginning. When you talk, we are the loot. We are the loot of your imagination. We are the bounty, the booty, B-O-O-T-Y. Uh, that you that you stole uh, from another nation, from another country, and you stole from us. You stole our futures. Yeah. Appropriation is a form of theft, right? When you steal our culture, that beautiful Dr. Dre and Beats commercial, you like our, our culture, but you don't like us. We've yeah. been saying that from the getty up. Greg Tate, the critic, said, you want everything but the burden of blackness. Yeah. You don't want yeah. the burden of it. You want everything else, right? And so for me... Uh, they have been stealing our futures from the beginning. Stealing Breonna Taylor's future is a is is literally a metaphor for what's been going on from the get-go. I do want to take a moment to just recognize all of the lives we've lost this year. Again, more than 311,000 um, people in America have died to COVID. We want to recognize you all and your families. And we just want to take a moment to hold space other lives we've lost this year, including Charlie Pride, Quinn Coleman, Jazz Waters, Natalie Reed, Alex Trebek, the Reverend Robert Greats, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Chadwick Bozeman, the Black Panther, Naya Rivera, Betty Wright, Little Richard, Bill Withers, Joseph Lowry, Katherine Johnson, Kobe Bryant, Congressman John Lewis, and the Reverend C.T. Vivian. Though this year has been rough, I hope that this podcast has allowed you to remember some of the triumphs and victories of 2020. Though there were some dark moments, there are shimmerings of hope. We must hold on to hope as we head into 2021. Thank you all for riding this out with me. This is On One with Angela Rye. Striving to do right, my people are warriors. All we know is the fight, praying to see God and everything I write. Yeah.